This is uh, Urasawa Boys, a podcast where you read and discuss the works of uh, manga artist and author Naoki Urasawa. Uh, right now, we're reading Monster, and Monster deals with a lot of dark and troubling topics and themes, so a list of content warnings is going to be available in the show notes. Thanks for listening. I am Samuel Quinn Morris, uh, my buddy over here. Uh, oh, do I have to use my full name? I'm just gonna say oh, I'm Matt Fennell. I mean, no, yeah, yeah. I mean, I we're, like, we're not I that like my yet. full we'll, name. We'll get there at some point. Yeah, I mean, you I've... got a good full name. Yeah, right. Um, so. Yeah, uh, uh, no, but, but we... I'm Matt Fennell. Yeah, it's Matt Fennell, <laughs> uh, which I really, I think most people think your name is Fennell, um, as I did, and actually, I was originally thinking. Uh, for our podcast, that the names, that the, like, order of names would be, like, you know, uh, Urasawa Boys with uh, with Matt Fennell and Quinn Morris. But then when I realized it was Fennell, I was like, oh, it's got, it's got to switch. It's the cadence switch. feels a little bit different. Yeah, and yeah. the thing is, like, yeah. I don't know. I've said this on every podcast that I'm on. I don't correct people about my name anymore. It's just kind of... But here's the thing. Living in the South, people get my name right more often than not now. Growing oh, up in the North, it was it was tricky. But hmm. um, people, people, oh. people get it down here. So... <laughs> Well, either either way, um, who are we? What are we doing? Why are we doing this? Um, we're we're just a couple of guys with a very small amount of of media analysis experience. Um, we have like some some theater backgrounds. We both like to make tabletop RPGs. Um, but I think I think it just comes down to the fact that we both like things. Yeah, it's um, fun to like things. Yeah, it's fun to like things, it's fun to talk about, think about things that you like, um, it's fun to be critical of them, and it's fun to be uncritical of them too sometimes. Uh, and I had, you know, I'm a, I'm a big Urasawa fan, um, I've read a lot of his, a lot of his bigger works, um, but not a lot of his smaller, uh, or less popular, like, in the West, uh, ones, especially since a lot of them aren't translated, which... In case you're wondering, is why we're not starting, we're, we're not doing this in publication order because some of that shit we just can't get our our greasy little bug uh, hams on. Um, so we're starting with Monster because it's his most popular uh, by uh, in the West by a pretty long shot, and we're gonna just keep keep moving through uh, his works and maybe going back and and reading some of the earlier stuff if we can find ways to access it because. I'm really interested in checking out Yawara and Happy and Pineapple Army. You know, I, I'd love to see his evolution. But right now, we just decided that, like, Monster is really cool. It's really accessible. People love thinking about it. People love talking about it. Um, and Matt was already... I think this started... Matt, didn't this start because you were, like, reading Volume 1? And I was like, wait, holy shit. Yeah, um, so I, I I think that was the order. I I don't remember what happened, but I decided I wanted to read some 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 manga. Um, I am much more familiar with comics, uh, Western comics, than I am with with manga in general. I've read you know a Dragon Ball volume here or there, some a little bit of One Piece, um, a few volumes of Akira, not a whole lot. Yeah, some of the big stuff, but not a lot of the. Not a lot of the more uh, like foundational stuff. Uh, much more like Cape Comics from the West on my end. But I I don't remember what it was. But I got in the mood to read some manga, so I bought um, some Devilman. I bought some Monster and something else that was in like the Amazon suggested box. Um, and I, I was talking to you about it, and you said uh, it had been a while since you'd read it. It was one of your favorites, um, and you thought it'd be really fun to just kind of go through it and talk about it. 
Yeah. Um, and we started there. And then you were saying, actually, also, I love Billy Bat. Also, there's this yeah. older <laughs> stuff that I'd like to read. Also, Pluto owns. And I was like, oh, oh yeah, I remember God. Pluto. I've heard of Pluto. And then yeah. 20th Century Boys, like that cover thumbnail thing is always showing up in Amazon. It's always trying to get me to buy that. So I'm sure when we get there, I'll like that. But um, yeah, things just kind of lined up where it felt like, you know, we'd been talking about wanting to do a podcast about something. And this feels like it fits into the sort of things that we like. So, yeah, um, definitely. Yeah. And it's also it also has that structure that I really enjoy of the one guy who knows a lot about the thing and the other guy who knows a little less. You know, it's such a it's such a tried and tested format. It's a fun dynamic. Yeah, it totally is. And I think I also think that um kind of as a person, you you suit the guy who knows a little bit less about the thing role very well. Oh, well, thank you. Um, I'm excited to learn. It's always just kind of one of the things yeah. I say a lot is, "Look, I'll try anything once." And, yeah, you're, uh, you're just an earnest sort. I, I try to be, so I'm, I'm glad that it. I'm glad that it plays. Um, but hey, uh, before we before we start, what? Um, what so that's kind of like my origin story with Monster. Well, actually, I guess like if we step oh, back, sure, I had a roommate sure. in college who was a big anime guy, and this was one of the ones that he talked about. The anime adapt uh, the anime adaptation of Monster yeah. was one of the ones that he he really really recommended. Um, I never got around to it, but that's kind of that's my origin story with this. What is how do you, how do you come to this? Right. So, um, I come to this, like, also, also from a background in, in Cape Comics, I actually, I learned to read. I taught myself to read in large part on, uh, my dad's collection of Bronze Age, uh, Bronze Age comics. Mm. So I'm very, like, founded in that. And I was, I was in therapy earlier this week just talking about how, like, uh, learning to read on comics has really strongly influenced how I interpret my life and the world around me. Um, so it's really, it's baked, it's baked into me. Um, and so, you know, visual, you know, the visual storytelling, the, the combination of, of words and, and pictures, the sequential storytelling model is, is just a really deep part of me. And so when I discovered, I think I discovered manga, um, around the age of 10 or so, I think it was, um, Hikaru no Go. I think that was my first one. Um, uh, which which is a, a manga about Go, the the board the board game Go. Okay. Um, it's pretty good. Uh, it, it's, it's it's pretty good. Uh, and and it just kind of went from there. I was really really into manga. You know, just just pretty much ever since. Like once I realized that there were sites where uh, you could read manga for free, I did that all the time. I spent a lot of time on that in middle school and high school. And, you know, I honestly, I, I don't know when I first, like, stumbled across, or, oh, wait, no, wait, oh my god, I just, I just remembered this thing, uh, my, when I was really, when I was little, like, like, maybe, like, like, eight, nine, my, my neighbor up the street, I spent a lot of time at his house, he actually had a couple of volumes of Pluto, okay. um, so I, I had read <laughs> some Pluto, um, and... Uh, but yeah, I think I must have at some point in high school, maybe something like that. I was like, let me sit down and and give this Urasawa guy a little bit more of my time. Um, and then as I got older and I had more money and I was spending it on manga, I was like, okay, so now is when I buy the fucking Ur Urasawa volumes. 
Um, and so, you know, owning all of Monster is just really cool. Owning all of Pluto, super cool. Um, this is stuff that I, you know, I, I love having it. Urasawa's easily one of my favorites, you know. I'm a, I'm a big, I'm a big manga guy. I watch, or, or I, I read manga more than I watch anime. And Urasawa really stands out to me, you know, amongst amongst his peers. Uh, you know, not definitely not to talk down on any of the wonderful, wonderful artists who are making incredible stuff, but Urasawa's voice and approach has always been very unique, literary, and you know, dare I say, very Western. Um, mm. And it's in its construction in in a way that even a lot of uh, seinen isn't, um, which, you know, I, like there's a lot of manga artists that are really interested in the West. And I think Urasawa and Hirohiko Araki are probably like tied as the manga authors that like the West the most. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, in very similar ways and in very different ways. But yeah, so I think Urasawa is great. I think um, he really writes stuff that gets to what I like about stories. He writes incredible characters, big casts, really engaging mysteries. Uh, I'm a big mystery guy. Um, so, yeah, that was maybe a little more long-winded than, no, it, than no, it needed yeah, to be. No, no, yeah, that, no, that's um, good context. And that's, I think, one of the things that I'm going to be interested in as we go through this is um, just because, like, even today in this first chunk of reading, I have some notes that are just like, okay, this feels like stuff that I know just from the anime that I've watched from memes about manga and anime, right? And I'm, I'm kind of interested in having some context and like, how does that compare totally. to what else is out there? Stuff like that. So, um, Oh yeah. I'll be able yeah, to help no, out with that for sure. Definitely. Definitely excited about yeah. that. So, um, Hey, how do we want to, how do we want to do this? Cause I know initially we talked about just stealing the structure of like the range touch <laughs> stuff where we start with a summary and then go through stuff that we think is interesting. That's that's kind of how I was figuring it. We can fine tune it along the way. Okay. Um, Do you want to? I know you me. wrote some summary for this first chunk. Yeah, there's some there's some summary. Um, <laughs> but I also I want to start off with talking just for a quick second about uh who Naoki Urasawa is. Perfect. Um, so Naoki Urasawa, born January second, nineteen sixty. Um. He basically started drawing, you know, manga comics when he was four years old, and he pretty much never stopped. Like, he, that's always what he wanted to be, that's always what he did, um, and when you read interviews with the guy, which I've, you know, I've tracked down as many English interviews as I can find, um, uh, he talks a lot about how making certain decisions for him is, like, breathing. He's like, it's natural at this point, and I fucking buy it! You know, I mean, what, what, at like 60, he's what, like 58? Um, yeah. No, 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 he's not 58. He's uh, 63, I he's think. Si- he's 60, he's 62. So he's okay. been, he's 62 and he's been making manga for 58 years. Yeah, I buy that it's like breathing. Um, you know, uh, so that's really, like, that's really cool. Um, he has, he has spent most of his career working on two series at the same time. Okay. That's not normal. Okay. Like, that was going to be my question. Manga, I didn't yes. think it was, but I was, I was... It's not. It helps that usually... It helps that, like, he's... As far as I know, um, except maybe, like, Pineapple Army, but I'm pretty sure that all of his stuff has been monthly instead of weekly. He's okay. always been in, in that monthly zone, so that might make it a little easier. Uh, but it also makes a lot of sense when you... Uh, there's this great video um, where he, like... 
gets interviewed about his manga making process and you see him draw and he draws terrifyingly quickly and i can only imagine that that like was that 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 in intense confidence in speed is what has allowed him to write and create that much goddamn manga simultaneously it's it's really insane uh, and it also helps and this is a really important note um many of his like most iconic series uh, were co-written with a dude named Takashi Nagasaki uh who is credited with basically creating the producer role in the manga um industry uh so their relationship is very special and they have co-authored a lot of the a lot of the big hits and i think that also is what has allowed them to write more than one thing at a time because it's not just him writing two things you know it's two people working together and like it's something that i really wish there was more information kind of available to me about because i'm like you know it's almost Im it's not almost it is impossible for us uh, with the information that we have right now to separate out when we're reading this like what's urasawa what's uh what's takashi you know um and so i just kind of want to like lay it down for all the listeners that whenever we say urasawa did this urasawa did that there is a silent urasawa and and nagasaki did that it was a team effort i i really want to make sure that that nagasaki is is uh given his due on yeah. this on this podcast no that's good to put up there at the front so we are currently reading Monster. Monster is a complex psychological thriller that follows a surgeon named Kenzo Tenma across Europe in a game of deadly cat and mouse with a terrifying serial killer. It ran from December of 1994 until December of 2001, crossing over production with his previous series Happy until 1999, and then 20th Century Boys from 1999 until the end of its run. And of course, 20th Century Boys then continues. Um, I also, I have a, I have a, a different version of the premise, which I'll just read. Yes, um, bonus. Uh, yeah, bonus. Uh, Dusseldorf, Germany, 1986. <laughs> a surgeon named Dr. Tenma saves a child's life. What happens next will shock you. Um... <laughs> And here is, and here is the more serious version of the summary of today's reading. And we are reading, we're reading this in in eight chapter segments, which are the size of the original Tankobons. We have the, uh, we have the. I've got complete, the perfect edition. The perf yeah. yeah, that's what it's which called. I the think perfect is two edition. Tankobons in one. It is. It is. Yes, they are each okay. sixteen chapters. So we're reading this in eight in eight chapter chunks or one volume chunks, um, and they're very clean. Uh, so, chapters 1 through 8. Kenzo Tenma is a skilled neurosurgeon in Germany with a bright future ahead of him until he chooses to save a small child instead of the mayor, effectively ending his career. However, the people in charge of the hospital are mysteriously killed with poisoned candy, and he is made head of surgery. Nine years later, Tenma saves the life of a murderer named Adolf Junkers, who claims that his murder buddies were employed and subsequently killed by a, open quote, monster, end quote. When Junkers vanishes from the hospital, Tenma follows him to a parking garage, where it is revealed that the child he saved was not only the monster that hired Junkers to do the killings, but also that he was the culprit behind the poisoned candy murders nine years ago. 
Yeah, that's uh, that's much more succinct than I think I would have been able to do. Uh, it is five sentences. Wow, I did swing it. I did swing it. Yeah, five sentence summary. I don't think we're gonna like stick to that, but but I did. I did manage it this time. But it's Um, good to be aspirational. Yeah, Um, (laughs) definitely. Just just right from the start, I think the thing that is interesting in that summary, um, as someone who is a first time reader to this, I don't know how it goes. I don't know the mystery. The implication from those first eight chapters is that this monster is the boy that Tedma saved. I don't know if that's actually how it ends up going but like that's that's the like the twist at the end of or not like that's like the big dramatic reveal in the it's the implication throughout that this boy is who who poisoned these these doctors that died and then yeah is the reveal quotes uh scare quotes reveal when uh when he when he kills yunkers is yeah no i i was that boy you know I don't go by that name anymore but oh you saved me and now who yeah. look at me i'm i'm the yeah. monster um yeah yeah, it's 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 a nibble. It's a it's a little nibble. Um, when I think about like what I like about Aristawa's work, um, mystery is really at the heart of it. Um, and I don't even know. I don't think that he considers himself a, a mystery author. I think that he just tries to write interesting things, and the most interesting things. Oh, it's uh, a mystery. Our mysteries. Um, yeah. Yeah, uh, you know, people trying to find something out, people people um, innately tied to things mm. they don't understand. You know, that's just, there's so much to do there. Uh, but, you know, I've, I've done the lion's share of the talking so far, uh, so... Matt, if you if you have anything like like what did you what you think of this eight chapter segment, um, like just kind of general thoughts, and then we'll launch into the chapter by chapter, um, okay, kind of breakdown. Yeah, yeah, no, just like from the jump, um, you you mentioned in kind of like the the run up, like oh, Urasawa is known for uh, maybe not known for, but uh, has kind of like a, a western feel to to some of his works, and um. I would say uh, the other word I think that I would use is uh, specifically like Western cinema. Uh, like a lot yeah. of, I think of a lot of, uh, not even like crime movies, but like crime thriller movies. Um, the three specifically that I kind of called out in my notes were uh, two Hannibal Lecter movies, right? Which, I mean, those are just like the serial killer movies, I think is the thing. So it's, you've got Michael Mann's uh, Manhunter in 1986, which is an adaptation of uh, a novel called Red Dragon. So, um, and I think there's kind of like a really direct link there because the, the epigram or the epigraph to, at least to the perfect edition is that verse in revelation that is the, you know, about the monster and the red dragon and stuff like that. So there's like a, there's some shared DNA there. Um, and then silence of the lambs. And then the the last one that I was going to do was, um, Fincher movies, right? Because uh, the thing that I think of when I think of David Fincher is just like very strong, singular main characters that are just like people doing a job very, you know, methodically, uh, like workmanlike. I don't know. It's, it's a, it's, it makes ordinary stuff feel very heightened, I think is the thing. Cause like, I mean, Zodiac is a movie about newspaper guys writing about the Zodiac killer um seven is about cops hunting down a weird serial killer girl with the dragon tattoo is about a guy who i mean i think he i think that's another one about like a reporter who is trying to find a murderer it it seems like um with with seven is the exception fincher movies are a lot about like regular people going toe to toe with just like horrific human evil 
um, in a very ordinary setting. And it, it uh, gritty feels wrong, but gritty. I think I I'd, I'd give I I'd, I'd give gritty to monster. Well, You're, it's weird because like the visually, what I think of when I when I look at these pages is almost mm-hmm. it just feels very like I'm looking at it almost through like a film. It's very light. Uh, and I, I think that has to do with the style, right? That it's more of like a cartoonish caricature, uh, style for like the, the individual character drawings. It, I like, I, I'm not going to go as far as saying, oh, it looks like a movie that's like, you know, shot with Vaseline on the lens or something like that. Right. Where it's like, you know, you've got all the soft lights and stuff like that, but it, it does feel a little, I, I don't know if just maybe just visually grit is not the word that i would use uh, but there definitely are bits and pieces where it will just jump from that kind of cartoony style to oh just here's like a shockingly shockingly well rendered gutter or just like horrible grit and grizzle as ted yeah. performs surgery and stuff like that so, so. so i actually i do have some uh, interesting context to bring in here so that the, the thing you're talking about where you have like this kind of uh, the realistic world and then the slightly less realistic characters is um a visual style that is, it is traditional, you could say, in manga. Okay. It's a, it's, it is a style that has a long history. Um, there is a, a particular author um, who did a lot of work, I want to say, like through the 70s, 80s, or maybe like 60s through the 80s. I'm really, I, I'm, I'm showing my ass a little bit here because like I know the guy, um, but he... He made a work called uh, Hitler, I'm pretty sure, which was like a, a manga biography of Hitler. And the really striking thing about that work visually is that the the backgrounds and the whole world are rendered in in incredible realism. And then Hitler himself is this total like wacky caricature thing. Okay. And and so like and I think that that particular author's work is was very influential and so you'll see, you know, when you see authors like like do this, it's it is uh, part part of a, a a lineage of of this kind of like when uh, a manga that is taking place in something intended to be the real world, you're going to see a, maybe a little bit uh, lower realism on the characters. Uh, even though the world itself is is rendered very realistically, um, this isn't a hundred percent true. There's some um, there's some artists that really revel in total realism. Uh, the guy who did Gantz comes to mind, or uh, the guy, um, uh, believe it or not, the artist for Doctor Stone. A lot of his other work is really intensely uh, realistic in nature. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, Doctor Stone. Doctor Stone's really interesting artistically. Be, uh, Boichi, that's the guy's name. So that's that's an interesting that's an interesting thing to uh, pick up on. I like it a lot. I think it makes it really readable. It's just like another one of the things, right? It's because you can you can spend because I don't know about you, like I go through I read comics pretty fast. Um, Same. Uh, but I I so mostly just kind of blasting through panels. But there's so much detail in every single one. It's it's easy to read, but there's enough depth in every spread, every page, whatever that there's like something cool that you can look at. Uh, I can't imagine how long this took. Yeah. Like some of those, some of those detail shots. You know, I, what you can't imagine is how long it didn't take. Fucking, yeah, exactly. Fucking Urasawa. Well, I mean, the the background, the backgrounds are the assistants. Um, usually, mm-hmm. usually that's how it goes in um, 
in manga studios is that the 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 author slash artist is going to be taking care of the principal characters uh, and the blocking and everything uh, for the scene, and then the assistants are coming in and uh, doing the backgrounds. That's normally how it goes, um, which may also account for uh, for art styles where the background and the characters have slightly different uh, feelings to them. Gotcha. Um, okay. Uh, but talking about talking about the the readability and the the depth and how much of interest there is on each panel, uh, it's also a good time to mention that like Urasawa writes what uh, he sometimes calls face only manga. His editors used to tell him you can't make face only manga, and he was like, well, why can't why can't I? Um, and he he actually says he gives some advice to aspiring manga artists, and he says um, it's all about facial expression. And if you want to dive into the world of manga, you should spend time acting. You should spend time in the theater to understand how to realistically portray emotions and subtle variations in emotions on the characters' faces. That's something that Urasawa is always giving place of pride to. Yeah. No. Okay. So I this that kind of leads into something that I'd I'd written in my notes, which um, I just the the thing that I noticed going back through it again today was. Uh, you know, cause there's, there's, there's a, a lot of characters that are kind of introduced in this, in this first section. Um, and yeah. you can kind of immediately tell what each of these characters deals are because of their faces. Right. And then specifically because of how their eyes are drawn. Right. I think is like the big thing you can, you get just a real good immediate vibe on what kind of character you're dealing with based on how their eyes are drawn and like of course you know in the real world that's not something we'd want to do but it is like a really good visual shorthand here right i mean like you get tenma like nice kindly eyes ava like you know those uh, conceited how can eyes look conceited i don't know but they did right yeah you know the director's eyes are like not nice right they're they're kind of selfish looking dr becker like the eyes look like they're almost constantly in like a like an eye roll or something right that yeah. like that you know laid back fun irresponsible my favorite well when we when we go through the you know the individual chapters my favorite run of panels at the end um mm-hmm. is it's just it's like you said it's it's the face shots right it's like a full page yeah. of just shots on eyes as the monster walks by tenma um and it's i it is amazing because uh i i think it's something that's that's easy to take for granted in manga sometimes just as like an outsider a little bit is like i mean if you go to wikipedia right i think the category image for manga is just stereotypical manga eyes right but there is just so much going on here in these simple little these simple little face drawings um and the eyes are the window to the soul blah 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 whatever lots of symbolism there on top of just being like a good tool to make this all readable yeah, no, totally. The eyes, the eyes are really big, um, and he has a he has a huge command of, you know, of how to move the parts of the face to communicate all of the all of the different feelings. Um, I love how much attention he pays he pays to constructing faces. Mm-hmm. Um, like this is it. Like you want to talk about a guy who has the opposite of same face syndrome. You oh. know, <laughs> like like. All of his characters are so different because I think something that my eyes are always drawn to when I'm reading Urasawa is the noses. His Mm. noses are so... Each character's nose is so distinct. 
Um, and I think that's also, I think his command of noses and jawlines are also what give him the ability to uh, communicate nationality. Okay. In a, in a way that uh, a lot of other authors kind of uh, don't. I'm not saying they can't, it's just that they don't really bother to do it. Um, but Urasawa's really, Urasawa, as an artist, is interested in representing different ethnicities as as appearing different uh especially once we get to a point where we we start seeing like uh, japanese or asian characters in his work a lot of times he will go for straight up like almost almost racist caricature of of like slanted eyes and and even buck teeth sometimes it's really really fascinating kind of his personal his personal approach uh, to depicting to depicting race, um, but there's not a lot of it. Like it doesn't look like there's a lot of it right here because everybody here is white. Um, well, yeah, Junkers' nose really stood out to me. I think. Uh, yeah, that's. I mean, Junkers in particular, like that's a good face, um, and it's the. I think the the sadness in the eyes, and then just kind of like the long face with the long nose i think just again gives you an immediate read on this character like totally. kind of a sap right yeah kind of a sap the the hair the kind of mm-hmm. gross Thinning greasy out. hair yeah, 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 you yeah. know uh the eyebrows on the director of the hospital are mm. really they're t- so full of of character they're so like bushy like they're they're made up of these like upward strokes you know there's not a that's all they are it's just a collection of upward strokes and i just think that's really neat um, it's super cool. Uh, there's other, there's other artistic stuff that I want to talk about, but I think that we can, uh, move on to talking about what actually happens, uh, a little bit. Um, okay. So, all right. Chapter one, uh. Oh, you have a note here that yeah. says, okay, starting right at the beginning with the epigram, right? And I wrote about this in my notes, right? Yes. So you say, what's up yes, with this? Yes, the epigram. Uh, let's, let's read the epigram out. Um... So this is, the manga opens, there's one or two pages just of a hospital, you know, doctors congratulating each other after a good surgery, and then we have the epigram, uh, which says, And I saw a beast rise up out of the sea, having seven heads and ten horns, and upon his horns ten crowns, and upon his heads the name of blasphemy. And they worshipped the dragon, which gave power unto the beast, and they worshipped the beast, saying, Who is like unto the beast? Who is able to make war with him? Uh, the Revelation of St. John the Divine, chapter 13, verses 1 through 4. So, um, a bit of background about me. Um, I grew up in a evangelical Christian church, uh, a denomination called uh, Seventh-day Adventists, uh, which are the kind of like elevator pitch for that. I'm not going to I'm not going to talk about church too much because you know that's not always fun on a podcast. But the the like Cliff Notes is we're kind of somewhere between Baptists and Methodists, but we go to church on Saturday. Back in the 1800s, there was a whole thing where um, people did a bunch of math and on specifically the books of Daniel and Revelation and came to the conclusion that uh, Christ was coming back in on, I think, October 12, 1844, somewhere in there. Of course, he didn't. Um, And then after that, they kind of reevaluate and go back through and do a bunch of scripture reading and come up with a a new denomination out of that. But so kind of one of the things that's at the core of the church is a lot of this kind of uh, really close reading of Daniel and Revelation. 
Um, I went to oh, school like so all my good. life. Oh yeah, it's uh, that's really convenient for this <sighs> podcast. Yeah, so we have these things called revelation seminars that will happen every once in a while, where it's like that's our outreach, right? Is they'll just we'll have like it's like camp meetings where it's just like or like tent meetings where it's just like, hey, are you worried about the end of the world? Like we're gonna do a week long after work Bible study where we just go through like all the stuff about revelation and you know what it means and you know all these symbols and our interpretations and, and readings of them. Um, so it's it's been a while since I've been in one of those. I did, I was in, at the very beginning of COVID, I was in a remote, uh, like a remote group that was doing more on Daniel than Revelation. And there's different stuff in there, but uh, there's, uh, one of the things that they like to do is kind of draw lines between the two of them and say, okay, this thing is similar to this and that sure, and the other. Sure. But this chapter specifically, Revelation 13, the the beast of Revelation, growing up, the reading, so like big picture, the reading of this one, at least in, in my church denomination is, okay, this is symbolic of a alliance between church and state power, right, that is going to just be oppressive towards a bunch of people. Right. So that's like really big picture. Lots of people, lots of specific churches will have different ideas of what that means. You know, growing up, I would hear a lot. Oh, the beast of revelation is the Pope and Catholics. Right. Um, And then. okay. But my own personal interpretation of it, it like to me, it feels like it lines up a lot more with what we see of just like the alliance between the uh, American evangelical churches and the uh, kind of right-wing political movement here. Like, that's what it feels like to me, right? Is it's this alliance between two things. You've got a monster and a, and a dragon, right? And uh, the Antichrist, all that stuff in there. It's, you know, I'll have to do some reading to remember what all that means so I can draw more closely to things as yeah. it's happening in the work. But usually it's, hey, there's two things. One is like the front-facing thing, and then the other is the behind-the-scenes, you know, scary, spooky Satan or whatever. Um, okay. But huh. also, it's just like it's good apocalyptic biblical imagery, right, of the end of the world and stuff coming up out of the sea. So yeah, like I'm um, definitely like I'm curious. I'm curious to see if if this has almost any thematic connection <laughs> with with what happens in the story because i the answer could well be no yeah i think that's the nice thing about revelation is it's so abstract right that you can just you can lay a lot onto it um just in a lot of different ways uh so i'll be yeah i'll be i'll be i'll be curious to see what happens so that's uh that's kind of that's what's up with that we'll come back to it i promise Cool. Okay, great. Yeah, I definitely, um, I want to keep an eye out for that. And, and like, I certainly don't recall there being a lot of Christian philosophy in this manga. It doesn't um, seem like it from these first eight chapters. <laughs> so I was kind of a little bit surprised yeah. that that's what we opened with. Yeah. Um, I think it's just a, a cool set of lines, oh, I totally. guess. Um, you know, it, it also reminds me a bit of... Urasawa has said that the way he starts making a manga is he will create a movie trailer for it in his mm. head. And he'll think about it more and more until he gets so excited he has to write the whole thing. Um, and, like, I don't know what the movie trailer was for this. But I wonder, you know, I wonder if that, that epigram might have something to do with it. I don't know. but But, you know, it just seems... 
how do, how do I put it? I guess the epigram feels a little bit like maybe a, a darling that perhaps ought to have been killed. Um, you know, because like, because like it's cool as shit, but like, what does it what does it link into? What does it tie to? I I don't really know. Aside it, to from me, it feels monster. like it ties back to the to the Hannibal Lecter movie. Like honestly, if I was oh, gonna sure. guess, it's mm. that that feels like maybe the strongest be. tie. But he is he he's a film guy. He does like he does like movies a lot. So okay, we'll we'll keep an we'll keep an eye out for that. Um, okay, but here we are, chapter one. Um, uh, my first note: Hair Doctor Tenma. Who's Doctor Tenma again? Uh, by which I by which I just mean like um. What like what impression of Tenma do you get? What a soft face on this boy in the first chapter. What a soft, clean shaven face. He's, nice yeah, hair. He's... Just a good doctor. Yeah, I he, he's doing his best. He's so earnest. Um, he's so yeah. sad. He's so sad already. Nothing's gone wrong for him, and he's already so sad. <laughs> Nothing's uh, gone wrong. He's already already like a very. I don't know, because he's interesting, because, like, he's not exactly, hmm, I don't know, he's a little bland. He's a little bit, he's a little bit of a bland dude. He's kind of a dope, a little bit, yeah. He's a a bit of a dope, and the thing is, is that you gotta understand, like, like, it's not like Urasawa isn't capable of writing interesting characters. Every other character in chapter one is like is slightly more interesting than he is. Yeah, you know, and and other other protags of his are also more immediately interesting. So, like with that context, we have to understand that Urasawa made him this way on purpose, right? Urasawa designed him like this, um, and I don't necessarily. Uh, I think. I think it's cool to see how he changes and also how he how he doesn't change. Um, I'm interested to see if maybe you you can see you can help me suss out like a a purpose or a, a reason uh, why Urasawa might have wanted to keep to keep Tenma a little bit subdued might be a a, a yeah. good word because it's not like he he doesn't have interiority. It's not like he's not written as a full fledged person. He is. He's just a subdued person. I would say he's much more two-dimensional than three-dimensional. And I hate when people use those terms because mm. I don't well, always 100% understand what they mean, but I know enough, right, where it's like, okay, how many motivations does this person have is kind of like the really simple way of breaking it down. And I mean, if I was going to one-dimensional, Tenma is a doctor. Two-dimensional, he is a good doctor who cares about being a good doctor. <laughs> and that's like, that feels like that yep. is the, the core mm-hmm. of, his, of his being. Um, at least for right now. So I'm interested to see. Kind I think, of... yeah, for this reading, for this reading, I would say that that's uh, absolutely the case. Um, you have correctly identified the angles of Tenma as uh, as this as reading sees, yeah. sees him. Yeah. Um, and then there's the interesting fact that um, for the first, you know, for a good chunk of the really beginning of of Monster, it's a medical manga. It's like a medical drama mm-hmm. with with the hospital politics and everything, uh, and I and your in your notes you said it's a it's a little clunky. Well, the thing that feels clunky to me is is kind of the stuff when Becker's talking a little bit, right? Because there's this whole the the inciting incident is you know Tenma's the star surgeon. He does um, surgery on like an opera singer instead of 
this uh, like workman that's brought in through no fault of his own. It's just kind of, you know, he does what he's assigned to do. And then um, a little bit later, the the workman's family shows up and his his wife screams at Tenma and says, you know, it's not fair. My husband was brought in first. You should have operated on him first, you know. Uh, and his, his girlfriend, you've, you've called out this line, his girlfriend, the hospital director's daughter, uh, you know, when he, when he brings this up, she just kind of offhandedly says, oh, well, you know, some lives are worth more than others, which is like a monstrous thing to say. Um, and, and the manga knows it and Tenma knows it. And then, you know, he brings it up to the director who, you know, kind of the, the director has a different take on it, right? He's like, hey, we're a research hospital first and foremost. Like the research that we're doing is what's most important. That's what's going to save the most lives, which, you know, of course, the way he's doing research is kind of selfish and self-aggrandizing and stuff like that. But it's it is kind of it's it complicates the, you know, is, is one life more than another um, and then Becker just really lays it out, which, uh, you know, he just kind of says like, hey, you know, it's politics. You know, you do what you do. Some doors open, some doors close. And it sucks. You know, we don't care about people, whatever, blah. And it feels a little <laughs> straightforward, moralizing in the same way that like, uh, you know, last night we were reading Denny O'Neill question. And that is yeah. another one where it's just like it's screaming it's politics. Um, but I think sometimes you have to do that. Right. And it's like that's that's a really strong foundation. It's like, hey, this is what we think is important in this story and this is what i want you to be thinking about as we go forward so it's a little bit clunky but i don't think it doesn't work i think it works but that's kind of the weird that's kind of the weird thing right is that a lot of this stuff is really about establishing like like here's this character's stance on the value of human life here's this character's stance on the value of human life and especially within within the structure of the hospital system um and I'll just tell you, these questions uh, are not important for very long. But the question of who is Tenma? What does Tenma believe? What does Tenma value? I think setting up um, Ava and and her father, you know, and and Becker, you know, and all of these other characters and being like, here's what this person thinks about it. Here's what this person thinks about it. All of it is meant to contextualize who Tenma is and why he feels the way that he does and, and why he makes the choices he makes. And as the as the story moves forward, um, we see we see Tenma reevaluating his positions and we see Tenma, you know, being forced to grapple with with other other constructions of value. Um, and so I, I think I think probably that 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 like this all of this medical manga stuff is really in service of of being like not a, you know who Tenma is now. It's almost a trick, right? It's almost a trick because it gets it it it's like oh well of course you know it it tricks you into feeling the way that Tenma does, right? Which is like well the only thing that matters is that I'm yeah. doing the right thing and operating on the person who came in first. And then as soon as that goes bad, it's like you realize immediately, like, oh, damn, that was really naive. And it tricks you into taking that naive position. Yeah, absolutely. Like, it's, you know, because, like, how do you not take the naive position when confronted with it's this, so black with and this white. fucking, it's like, so, rich yeah. jerk? It's so black and white. I have I have a note. Um, where is it? Uh, um... Yeah, I have a note for chapter four. The hospital director is just such a character. Mm -hmm. Ava gets some great characterization, also especially later. Oh my god, 
Ava is one of the most interesting characters in the whole series. See, this is interesting because she feels extremely one note, just spoiled like gold she digger. She is. Um, she is. Um, but yeah, it expands. It expands um, rather quickly. We start getting more notes for Ava in the next reading, I think. Um, but the director, like her dad, ab- one dimension, single dimension. It's executed really, really well, and it's a lot of fun because he's, you love to hate him, this shithead, ugh, you know, you know, and when he's, and when he's like, your career is over, you know, and you're like, oh, you son of a bitch. Yeah, and I also made a note about Becker, I said, hey, Becker, here to lay it out for dummies, you know, because, like, (laughs) yeah, that's, that's what he does. Um, I also wanted to talk about uh, there's something that he does that, you know, lots of comics artists do, but I think that he does to particularly good effect, which is uh, he has really good transitions. Mm. He has really good juxtapositions between things. Uh, in chapter one, the, the one that I noted, uh, so when, you know, when the, when the wife of the dead workman, um, you know, she, she pounds on Tenma's yeah. chest. She's like, I want my husband back. Bring him back. And there's a panel of her fist hitting his chest. And then it cuts to, and then it cuts straight Busy to an external dinner. shot yeah. of like, of like a fancy street. And then it's, and then it's a fancy dinner with, uh, Tenma and Ava. And that's like, you want to talk about what visual storytelling can do. Like that is... That right there is such a powerful statement with not a word spoken, you know, just being just, you know, it's like Urasawa is saying these two things exist in the same world in the same day, like an hour apart, Jeez. you know, and it and it, it's like it's like you fucking you fucking sit with that. You sit with that. Yeah. Oh, and it it works really well. Like you can feel he's still thinking about it because I mean, well, for us, you know, it's it's two panels away. Of course, he's still thinking about it, but it it really does just that. Hey, this is still echoing through what's going on now. Um, and it, you know, it keeps cutting back to that chest pound. I think that's a really good. I think that's the highlight of this of this chapter is those those flashbacks um, and his his realization. Yeah. And we get some good eye shots. I think that end that end that chapter. Um, Oh, I, there's one more thing I wanted to talk about in the chapter visually, mm-hmm. which is the transition. Uh, there's a transition. So when the police are storming, when the police are like like going into the into the house, um, at the bottom at the bottom of one page, and this is the left page, right? Manga, right to mm-hmm. left. So at the bottom of of the left page, uh, the the police burst in through the door, and then we turn the page, and we are oh, greeted yeah. with this really with this really like almost like true crime like not like is it super duper gory no but you see this couple that's been shot dead and the way the bodies are laying is so realistic the eyes open on the husband and the blood on the couch Mm -hmm. like it is gorier than in this sense it is gorier and more full of horror than many gore things that I've actually like 
like red that are about gore. It's shocking, and I think the page turn works really well. I wonder if in the original serialization this was a page turn as well, because it does. It feels like oh, I'm opening the door, right? Like there it is. You know? Yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, and Urasawa uses this uh, device, this mechanism, uh, many times to great effect. Um, and this is just a really like early, early taste of it, and a, just a really particularly good lesson. Um, for anyone who's like, hey, what's like a, what's like a basic rhetorical device I can use in this medium? And the answer is hide things, behind pages. hide yeah. things behind the next page. Um, it's really, it's really effective. It's really. Hey, good. do you want to move on to chapter two so we can just kind of, um, cause I, I think we could talk about each of these for probably half an hour, but if we let's, uh, easy, but yeah, we gotta, we, gotta... we gotta keep moving. So I don't have to add it six hours of footage. Yeah. <laughs> Not every, and not every chapter has as much to talk about as chapter one. And it's also crazy because, like, a lot of manga have, like, extra long first chapters to introduce everything. Not so with Monster. Chapter one is, is, uh, you know, like, what, like 30, 30 30-something pages? I think all of them are are 30-something pages, you know? Uh, and we'll we'll really see that like Urasawa knows how to make some chapters paced slow and others paced quickly. Like I took notes on the different types of pacing in each chapter, and he's clearly choosing the pacing and guiding us through it uh, quite quite deftly. Um, he's not he's not leaving anything to chance. So let's talk about let's talk about chapter two. Um, I didn't have a lot of notes on this one. Uh, it's mostly just Tenma and. Uh, Tenma and the director, and the director's uh, just being a, a medical fucker. Yeah, it's a continuation of some of that drama, right? Of like, you know, he's yeah. uh, the way he's making Tenma do his research, kind of what is more important, you know, some lives are wor- worth more than others, that stuff kind of repeated. But then we have Tenma getting to the hospital at the same time as the, so the the kind of closer of chapter one is there's, there's a murder, there's these two diplomats who have immigrated or have, uh, I think, escaped from east germany to west germany Germany. oh yeah yeah the time the timing is super important yeah this is berlin um berlin wall like the cold war uh and specifically the differences between east and west germany play a major role in this series like fucking major the politics and again this isn't like a cold war thing it's not east versus west it's just kind of what what that what that cold war period was kind of like a little bit more on the ground and and some of the some of the fuckery uh that happened uh that's a really big that's a really big aspect of of what goes on in the series okay yeah so um and and that's kind of what i figured i thought the first time i read it i thought that was really interesting i was like oh yeah that's that's a neat thing to include um and i i did kind of gloss over it um today but uh, yeah, so there's the two diplomats are killed, and there's a uh, a set of twins, uh, twin children. The boy has been shot. The girl is in like a catatonic state. So they are rushed into the hospital at about the time that Tenma is called in. Um, he is getting ready to go into surgery on the boy uh, when he is told, "Hey, we need you to come do surgery on the mayor instead." He's still got all the stuff, you know, is one life more than another. I want my husband back echoing in his ears. He uh, sees that the doctor, it's uh, uh, Dr. Becker, is going to be the one who does the surgery on the boy. You know, he likes Dr. Becker, but doesn't think he's particularly talented, which I think is... Which is um, true. I think is is a real good moment because it's like, this is a character we're supposed to like. This is someone who is a good guy, 
but he's still just Tenma's like, well, no. What's Tenma's defining trait? He's a good doctor, right? And he's like, well, Becker is not a good doctor. Uh, so wait, wait, is it is it Boyer? Oh well, yeah, Boyer's no, it gonna is do, Boyer's yeah. going to do surgery on the. He leaves Boyer to do surgery on the mayor, um, and says, Becker, you're not going to do yeah. surgery on this boy. Um, yeah, totally. And he takes the lead on it instead. Um, he's able to save the boy, but the mayor dies. Um, is is kind of uh, what happens here. Yeah, and that's and that's the entire chapter. And like you can fucking see right there, holy shit! Like how how much less happened in this chapter. It's basically just a conversation and then Tenma being faced with this choice and then he makes the choice, um, you know, and, and that's kind of, and that's kind of that. The, the, the surgery doesn't even happen in this chapter. Uh, so it's. Oh yeah, sure enough. Yeah. Yeah. The surgery, the surgery mostly happens. Yeah. in chapter three. Uh, I wanted to see how do you feel about the the last panel of chapter two where you where we see uh, Anna Liebert uh, blankly staring into nothingness and just saying, "Kill." Oh well, how do you, how do you feel see, about that? See, the way that? that I read this is just, and I feel like this is another thing where I'm being tricked. But my immediate read is, "Oh well, she knew her brother is the the you know the monster, and she was able." I think the brother shot the two parents. And then she shot him to, you know, stop or whatever. And then as they're, they're twins, or at least the story has told us that they're twins. So there's some sort of twin stuff going on. She's in a catatonic state because of that. But she is trying to prevent him from, I think she's had a glimpse of what he's, he's going to become and is trying to stop it mm. is, is what's going on here. Is At least it, that's what it feels like Damn. the story is trying to make me think is, is going to happen here. Hell yeah. Um, well, first off, Matt, um, Wow. Nice. <laughs> well, I just, I, I don't know. I, I, I watch a lot of, I don't know, I watch a lot of cop shows in high school. I, th- I think it's, it's the big thing here. Well, it's funny because, like, I've spent so much of my life hanging out with stories and mystery stories, but, like, part of my MO as a reader of media is I don't theorize. Okay. Oh, I, I never, can't help I, I don't, I don't question, I question nothing. I question absolutely nothing. Um, I'll question, like, formal elements. I'll question structure. Um, but, like, in terms of the story being presented to me, I never try to guess anything. I'm always along for the ride. Um, which I which I think is why I like JoJo's as much as I yeah, do. Yeah, because that, that is mostly uh, because, ride. You, know, you can't guess what's going to happen yeah, next there. It's <laughs> you just can't. Yeah, um... Yeah, but for me, you know, for me when I see this, when I see this and I'm like, I'm not thinking five steps ahead, I'm kind of like, I guess it's supposed to kind of frighten me or unsettle me. Oh, no, it's scary. It's not, it's not good. (laughs) Well, I was just about to say that, that something about this, something about this last panel, maybe it's just as someone who's read it before, uh, you know, and who's very familiar with the material, but there's something about this last panel just being this girl saying kill that feels a little hokey to me. Yeah, I, it's, it's a bit much, I think. Yeah, but I'm, yeah. you know, I'll forgive it. I'll let it, I'll let it do it. I'll, I'm going <laughs> to, yeah, I'll allow it. I, I, I also, I also allow it. I'm just saying, I feel like it's a tiny bit hokey. Um, okay, let's pop, let's pop out to chapter three. Yeah, I do want to call out really quick at the beginning of chapter three during the surgery montage. There's some real good, uh, there's some real good, you know, the trope of people talking about someone doing something really well at manga, but about a guy doing surgery. There's three doctors watching Tenma do the surgery. And they're going, amazing technique. 
that bullet was an extremely yeah. difficult sight. And he made it look so easy. <laughs> yeah, no, I love that. Really there's good. actually, um, it's really funny too, because I, there's a manga I really love called Team Medical Dragon, oh. which, which is, which is basically like, if you took, if you took the first like few pieces of monster and we're just like, no, that's the whole, that's the whole thing. The whole manga is, it's just a medical drama. Um, it's really good. But yeah, okay, so they do they do the surgery, he saves him, but guess what? The mayor dies. Oh no. Oh man, and just like and just the shit and and nobody is happy. Oh, everyone is so nobody is, upset. Everyone, everyone is so is pissed. So upset. It it sucks. It sucks. It's a really like it feels shitty. You feel shitty reading it. I my pacing note my pacing note for this chapter is it could be a quick read, but you just don't want to turn the next page. Oh man, that's really, that really hurts. Mm-hmm. Um, speaking of something that really hurts, like, uh, you know, Urasawa uses screen tone to communicate stuff plenty. Like, you know, like any mangaka, and when I say screen tone, um, you know, that's like what you get when you, when a character says something in a manga and they are surrounded by like, you know, a little spiky light halo or there's some shadow in the corner or whatever, right? That's screen tone. Okay. Um, and there's a really powerful use of it. Uh, um, right after the other surgeons uh, finish reaming Tenma out uh, and a nurse comes up and it's just like Dr. Tenma. The boy's blood pressure, you know, he's good. His vital signs are all stable. And there's... One panel of just Tenma, just, and this panel, both of these panels, like, the, the, the sequence of them is so good. Um, so there's, uh, Dr. Tenma, just, we see him from behind. There's no background in the panel, it's just Tenma. Uh, just a small square panel of Tenma on white. And then the next panel, him looking over the shoulder at the camera, he says, good, I'm glad to hear it. And the entire background of the panel is this black to gray gradient. There's just a little bit of light. There's a little bit. There's a little bit of hope here. Oh, it's so good. I, it's so good. I, I don't even feel. That's not my read on it at all. My read on it is is like, my read on it is the good of this situation. In no way outweighs the bad. Oh yeah, no, it's mostly black, but there's yeah. It's it's mostly like like, yeah, and he has like a really faint. He has like a really faint, almost smile, and oh, he's just exhausted. This is some real Spider-Man uh, throwing the suit into the trash can. Oh man, energy. big time. Yeah, yeah, and especially seeing him like again. We were talking about like how he looks depressed <sighs> in bed. He's just like he's just like he's leaned against the wall. He's got his, the pajama his... pants on. Those don't come out from experience. Those don't come out unless things aren't going well. And then we see Tenma, you know, like kind of being tired uh, and feeling shitty. Uh, Becker comes in con- and and is just and is just like ah, it's fine. Okay, we can just be fun doctors together. You know. Yeah, we can. <laughs> yeah, making it to the top ain't everything in this world, Doctor Tenma. Just being a doctor is good enough for a lot of women. Um, <laughs> you know. I forgot that that's where he goes, but of course that's where he goes. It's good, yeah. I know. I know. And I love his little smile. I love his smile when he goes, come on, it'll be just a thing. You need to cut loose. Like, he's got such, like, this little shit-eating grin, you know. That's some real Kramer like, energy. Oh, man, nail on the head there. Wow. <laughs> 
Yeah, dude, fuck yeah. Because it's not George Costanza, <laughs> it's, it's Kramer. <laughs> it's Kramer. Um, yeah. Uh, and then, you know, Anna, Anna is just wandering around the hospital whispering kill. Looking like a Victorian ghost. Yeah, big time Victorian ghost energy on this one. Real grudge stuff. Um, again, heavy handed, but I like this one a little better. Oh, me too. I would have preferred, I almost feel like. If we just did it here instead of earlier. Yeah, yeah, we should have just, we should have just done this one. Um, you know, then there's the party. Uh, then there's the party where they're like, I'd like to ask our chief neurosurgeon to say a few words. And Tenma's like, oh, that's me. And the director is like, no, it's not. Oh, man. Ugh. Yeah, there's Ugh. A, there's a good uh, yeah there's a good shocked reaction shot there. There's some good. It's uh yeah, yeah. And then the rest of the party just goes poorly for him. We've got Ava giving him back the ring, saying you're such a fool. You know, going off to flirt with a different doctor. Him just being there in shock. Uh... And it's Doctor Norton. What a cut. Yeah. Dr. Like Doctor Norton is not even such a real a... dude. That's just do we that's. <laughs> They, they made up a guy. Um, yeah. Uh, elegant suit. <laughs> what an elegant suit. Yeah. Um, so Tenma goes back to the doctor, uh, the hospital, because he's, you know, he's depressed about this party. He goes to check in on the boy. Yeah. Um, he's clearly a little buzzed, I think. Um, and, you know, just kind of upset about this whole situation. Talking to the boy about, uh, you know... Trying to justify to himself the choices that he's made, you know, some lives are not worth more than others, you know, and then he kind of gets angry um, and is, is random. Yeah, which is a, which is a great moment, mm-hmm. you know, because like I love I love the times when Tenma when Tenma has an emotion uh, to show to the audience. Oh, this is the um, most we've seen on his face because most of the time his face is very yeah. simple, right? You know, not a lot, no wrinkles, no stubble, whatever. But here we've got anger lines, we've got bags under the eyes. It's he's getting very animated with how. You know what? You know what? I'm just I'm just wondering. Oh, uh, this this makes me think. So we see him angry, like we see him angry, we hear him angry. Yeah, we get the, um, we get the text. We've boxes mostly just seen him spiky, you know. spiky. Yeah. Yeah, uh, so that is uh, chapter three, and it ends with this absolutely disgusting panel, this awful-to-look-at panel of Johan's eyes half open. Oh, it's terrible, and the breathing tube and everything. It's just so gross to look at, and is so full. Like, the thing is, is that it's full of something. And I don't think that I could really put a word on what this picture makes me full of, but I'm full of dread. It. Yeah. Yeah, but it's it's like dread. Like what the fuck? Well, I think especially after because of what what Tedma says as he leaves, he says, "You open my eyes as a doctor. Hang in there. Fight for your life. I gave up everything to perform your surgery. That's how much I wanted to save your life." And then we just get this whatever that's that's going. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like you know because like yeah, it's... I don't know I. I go back and forth on whether I think that's a selfish read or not, right? Like, I gave up everything. That's how much I wanted to save your life, right? Like, is it the... I, I don't know. I'm going to continue to think about that. I'm clipping this out because I don't have full I... thoughts on this yet, but... No, I mean, I... Well, I don't think you have to clip it out because I, I have a thought. I think um, my read on that isn't, 
is less selfish and more, you know, self-satisfied. Yes. Like, Kenzo, Kenzo is proud of himself. You know, he feels internal harmony. His actions are in alignment with his beliefs. And I, I think that's why he, he says what he, what he says. Um, all right, let's move on to chapter four, brother and sister. Um, this one is, it's political stuff. The director is trying to get some, you know, the mayor's dead, but they're trying to get something out of saving these diplomats' children. So they're going to do a big media play, I think, where they, um, where they reunite the brother and the sister because the sister is still kind of catatonic. The brother's still asleep. Um, and they're going to make it a big media moment. And Tenma is very unhappy about this. <laughs> yeah totally um we get a little bit more time with becker uh being becker well heck doctor your attitude certainly changed by the way the anime uh the dub for monster is really good oh, and is it? i, I love, love to hear it it is it is actually it's very 90s um but that that suits it you know for obvious reasons um i and i love i love becker's <laughs> va i have to watch dub. it once we finish yeah yeah, so then they, they go past, they, they override Tenma. Uh, it'll be great for the hospital's image. We see Tenma. I love it whenever they show us Tenma being a doctor, um, because it's obvious how good of a doctor oh, he's such he a is. Good doctor. All of his patients love him. He has incredible bedside manner. All his patients love him. Yeah. yeah, and he loves it. You can really see in his face that he really, really loves it. Mm-hmm. You know, and just how um, confused he is, I think, by the political stuff is the other thing, right? Like, why would yeah, you do this? Which is, why are you doing this? Yeah. It's which makes it a very like relatable. He's a very relatable character to the audience because we are also, you know, with with our naive ideas about what medicine looks like, we're right with them. We're like, why are these guys being such jerks? Save the lives, mm-hmm. you know. Um, uh, but but of course, it's it's more complicated and. Uh, and Kenzo, I guess that's, maybe that's why Kenzo reads is such a dope is because like, how are you being surprised by this? This far into your medical career, you know? So then the last kind of mechanical thing of this is, uh, the director and some of the doctors involved in that political stunt, um, are all found dead, uh, from the, from the poison candy that you mentioned in the summary. From the poison candy. And, um... I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you this, uh, right now. Never explained. Yeah, that's, I mean, it feels a little convenient, right? You know. It's, it is, for, for an author who is as honestly, like, meticulous as Urasawa tends to be, it is a bizarrely massive plot hole. It makes absolutely no sense whatsoever. How did this boy in the coma poison the, poison the candy? And, like, they tell you, they're like, oh, he woke up, he did wake up, but, but what, he, he, what, he woke up, he went to a fucking, you know, he went to the medicine cabinet, then he poisoned the specific candies they were going to, like, what the, what the fuck? It's a little goofy, but I think it's, you know, it's, it's, it's good. Um, I'm, I'm into I it. I think it's, I think it's fun. It's just, like, it's a rare... It's a rare thing where Urasawa has gone for vibe over over mechanic. Yeah. Uh, normally, he he prefers a mechanic. I would say. Okay. Um. Uh. But yeah. Oh, and I also had a note where they're like, so in this chapter, uh, Kenzo gets drunk. 
which is also really fun. Mm-hmm. Um, he gets drunk, he falls over in an alley, he cries to himself. Um, and I just had a note where I'm like, when he's drunk, I bet you he's he's like yelling in Japanese. Yeah, uh, and that just made the sequence uh, really funny. Just imagining this really drunk uh, dude just yelling in Japanese as he's falls down in a stumbling through the streets of Dusseldorf falling over crates yeah it's good yeah <laughs> it's it's really good um and we see we see like a, a wide range a wider range of facial expressions um in this like page and a quarter from Tenma mm-hmm. you know than we have in the previous three chapters oh yeah you know he's going for it and then of course uh the director is dead Ugh, the director is dead and then at the bottom of the page Kenzo is like mumbling in his sleep and he goes, those, those jerks. jerks. It's, I it's wish they were tidy. dead. It's nice. Yeah. It's, it's so, it really is. It really is. It's clean. It's clean. Um, uh, chapter five then. Oh, chapter five. Yes. Chapter fucking five. Um, so I have a note for this, which is the first nine pages of the chapter are flawless. A deluge. The adrenaline spikes so many times. The chapter begins, cops knock on his door, um, he's like, what's going on? Next page, it's just a shot of Tenma looking shocked as the police tell him, they're all dead. You know, these guys have all been found dead. And then it's him rushing into the hospital, there's paparazzi, um, uh, the, the hospital staff are all super stressed and just like, what the fuck is going on? Um, there's some, uh, there's some cops asking Tenma questions. And they're like, can you think of anyone who had a grudge against these people? And then he's like, oh, fuck. Oh, I did. Yeah, he has this oh, realization. N- oh, His no. face is just stuck in this shocked expression for those full nine pages. Every reaction shot we get of Tenma is <laughs> yes. the same face. And it works yes. so well. Yes. Yeah. Oh, man. And it's like, and it's like not only, you know, it's like, oh, uh, these people are dead. Oh, they're going to be going for Tenma. Oh, he's got a surgery. Oh, the twins are the missing. Kids are gone. You know, the kids are fucking missing. Is there anything? There is almost nothing in fiction that that will just get get your heart going. Like, oh fuck, the kids are missing. Yeah. Oh. You know, yeah, like yeah, yeah. there's never like nothing good happens. Nothing good happens when the kids are missing. Did you um? Did you see? Have you seen Severance? This is just a very quick pause Mm-mm. to plug for Severance. App, uh, fucking fucking Apple TV. Fuck off. Uh, Give yeah, me no, your no, password. No. I, pi- I'll watch I pirated Severance. it. I pirated it. Oh, okay, uh, okay, okay, I, okay. I'm not. I'm not. Paying, <laughs> I'm not paying Steve Jobs' ghost to watch TV. Uh, <laughs> but there's there's some good. Oh no, the kids are gone. Moments in Severance yeah. that got okay, my heart nice. really going. Um, but yeah, yeah those first nine pages are incredible. And then there's another one of those transitions. We turn the page and it's, uh, dead trees, a funeral. Oh, oh dead trees. Yep. Oh, the funeral. Well, oh, that is good quiet. too. We go from what the yeah. hell is going on? I don't understand to. I love that funeral. page. I love that page. I don't understand what the hell is going on. And like you have spent, you know, you spent the previous four chapters really, really spending time with Tenma. And and getting into getting into his space, you know, even if it's not getting like super populous, but but you can really you are just as fucking bewildered. Like this is like it's transitioned from like the you know the previous chapters were like dread, you know, like dread, like I fucked up, my life is kind of over, fuck, 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 and now this sequence. 
I don't understand what the hell is going on. We have now transitioned fully into fear. We are feeling Tenma's fear very, very strongly. You know, and, and the thing about that fear is, you know, I don't understand what the hell is going on. We flip to the next page. It's a new scene. We don't know what the hell is going on. We are no, we are given no resolution for that. Um, which is so, which is so clean going from this almost existential question uh, and, and Urasawa going, fuck, fuck off. We just got to keep moving, bro. So we have the funeral, um, and this is, uh, you know, we've, we've got some good funeral drama, some screaming as the as the casket goes into the ground. Love it. That's always yeah. a good move. Um, you know, but but then then we are introduced to some detectives who are working this case, including one. Inspe- how do I how do I say his last name? I think it's uh, in the dub they call him Lunge. Inspector Lunge of the BKA. Now, Quinn, do you do you want to tell our listeners about Inspector Lunge, and then I will. Inspector Lunge is my favorite. I love him so much. So here's okay. Here's a Quinn fact. Um, in in the Quinn in the Quinn realm, there are two character archetypes that reign supreme that have my heart. Um, pretty much unconditionally. And that is the inventor archetype and the detective archetype. Um, If a character is either one of those, I will like them. It's, you can't stop me. Uh, And so, and Lunge is honestly, uh, even amongst detectives, uh, someone who I think is really, really cool and and fun. And like, he frustrates me later in the series. Don't get me wrong. Um, But, but Lunge is... I think Lunge is extremely, I think he's very, very well written. Um, I think he is a character with very clear mechanics. And I, I honestly, um, I'm going to come out. I think Lunge is uh, neurodivergent coded. Oh, totally. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's, that's what's yeah. going on here. I mean, and it's, uh, so yeah. Lunge's thing, just for the, the listener, is um lunge is a is a is the pka like the like europol or something like that like a yeah it's i think it's like i think it's a germany uh what what uh bka uh um bundeskriminalement okay so like fbi um, you know, europol whatever yeah it's it's Ger- it's germany it's it's german FBI. So he, I mean he's a Sherlock Holmes is a very is a very reductionist way to put it right you know he's got the the photo yeah. the photographic memory and the mechanics of how he works as he's as he's conducting his interviews and talking to people he's constantly doing like a typing motion with his fingers um, and he tells a character either in this chapter and one a little bit later on that oh this is you know he imagines that he is inputting the information that you know from his from his interviews into a uh you know into a, a floppy disk in the computer of his brain and then he'll be able to you know call it up at a moment's notice um and it's a like you said it's a it's a cool mechanical thing um i just think it's a little corny and that that's more personal I taste than anything else is that i yeah. think it's so cool and i also like put it like put it in context, right? This is nineteen ninety four. Oh yeah, this is the coolest thing on earth. I mean, computers, personal yeah. computers are. You know, I mean, I don't even think we're in ninety four yet because we have a time skip. This is still, it's still eighty six. Uh, this is being right? it's it's published. It's published in 94. the book's coming out in ninety four, right? You know, this character is someone who, 
extremely high tech is is you know the implication here and honestly i think for me and this this comes back to this is i think what i'm going to keep coming back to for these urosawa things is it's the face he just seems so full of himself mm. from this face right <laughs> yes and i just look at him absolutely and just like, you stupid motherfucker with your little computer discs i am <laughs> tired of you but here's the thing quinn like the way that i describe yeah. my memory to my friends is uh-huh. the exact same way we had this joke that we would do oh, in that's college so funny. we had this joke we would do in college because my whole thing was i was really good at knowing what years movies came out or like names of actors or things like that or bits like that. And it was like, how do you remember all this trivial information? And my joke was, well, my mind, you know, my brain's a Rolodex. And I do this thing where I go <laughs> over to where it is and pull it out. And there it is. Yeah, so yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's, I am looking at someone who's doing my trick and I'm just like, you dumb, dumb. I know what you're That's doing. That's so funny. That really, that contextualizes it. Because I was, I was honestly like, I don't know how Matt can be opposed to this like character. Yeah, and yeah. and now I understand. It's it's because he's he's stealing your sauce. Well, yeah, it's, um, uh, it's not it's not the hate. So it's because the anus, but it's the it's the other yeah. one. It's, it's the other one. Yeah. Um, no, um, but I think it's interesting. the The thing that I was the the context thing that I was going to bring up is, hey, is mm. this is the character in Death Note that hunts down the killer? Is that is that the same L? deal as this? No, I don't think he has the floppy disk thing okay. going on. Okay, because for whatever he's reason, just, I think he's just that, a genius. Like the Sherlock Holmes, I think he's just a genius through manga mm-hmm. character is a well. Trope I, that I, I, feel. I think, I think um, Lungay, he's not Sherlock Holmes. Okay, um, he's definitely not. Like you kind of know when a when a manga Sherlock Holmes is is happening, uh, and I'm pretty confident in saying Lungay's not a Sherlock Holmes. Uh, is he more a perfect and also, like, thing than a Sherlock Holmes? Yeah, okay. exactly. Um, I think it'll be interesting when we get to Pluto um, to kind of... I think... Actually, come to think of it, I think there's, like, detective characters in nearly every single Urasawa thing because it's all mystery, so right. there's detectives so somewhere. Right, detective in the right? story, yeah. Yeah. You know, and they play... The detectives all play different roles in the story, right? So Pluto, the detective, uh, is, is your main character. And so I, I think... Um, it's easy to look at Lungay now and be like, oh, well, this is the Sherlock Holmes. But I think once you see, like, the other ways that Urasawa approaches uh, the detective archetype, you can be like, oh, okay. You okay. know, it, Lungay's Lungay. Yeah. Um, uh, you will see uh, you will see Lungay's uh, face on other characters, okay. uh, though. Um, I think maybe it's a nod to Tezka. Um, it could be because Tezka had a large stable of stock characters, okay. um, which was a more common thing uh, back then. Um, where he had certain uh, faces and body types where he'd be like, oh, this is my mobster character. Right. Whenever there's a mobster, I use this guy, even if they're not technically the same guy, um, because functionally they are, right? Yeah, uh, yeah, and yeah. so Urasawa does a little bit of that where he'll have some faces Stephen he King likes has to one reduce. Italian character that he writes, and it shows up That's all the time. That's true. So, it, yeah, yeah. It's the same deal, similar deal. Okay, and I, and I think part yeah. of the other thing is, like, you know, up to this point, you know, we're... You know, Tenma's the main character. We're on Tenma's side. This is a guy who's showing up and putting pressure on Tenma, someone who we know is innocent, right? So I feel like this story almost wants you to be like, who is this dude? What's he doing? Come on. What's this guy's deal? Um, (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. um, So that's kind of... I love him. That's what I've got right here on him. I love Lungay. 
Uh, yeah. And then we spend some time, we spend a bit of time with Tenma and his patients, and they're all like, don't go. Because uh, Tenma, during the funeral, was like, man, I- I'm going back to Japan. This this shit sucks. Um, but but then some of his patients are like, you're the, uh, I'm looking around at the panel. You're the best doctor we've got. Please don't tell me you're leaving. Um, so, and then he gets called into a meeting. Uh, the nurse says, we're all rooting for you. Please don't quit. I love how much all the nurses love him is the, is the other thing. It's just, oh, buddy. And the nurses, and again, to, to talk about Urasawa, you know, Urasawa's immense respect for people. Yeah. The nurses all have very, very different faces and bodies. Yep. Um, he draws women very respectfully, very realistically. Uh, it's really, Urasawa's just great. I was just great with women. That's I good. think that's that's. I'm yeah. glad that as we embark on this podcast about a creator's works, you're telling me that <laughs> they're good with women. So that they're that good with women, so that yeah. I don't have to just sit here and make the face for yeah. Urasawa, <laughs> no horny problems. Okay, no good. horny problems Love to hear with Urasawa. Love to hear it. Which which is also another thing that sets him apart. Uh, come to think, that of is it. interesting. Um, you know, even amongst seinen. Yeah. You know, anyway, so so I love the ending of this chapter. I love it. I love it. Um, or not not the ending, but I love this next bit. So he gets called into this meeting, and he gets appointed chief of surgery. Right? So just, like, imagine, like, put yourself, put yourself in Tenma's fucking shoes. Like, all this shit has happened. You, you, you know, stuck with your guns. You were punished for it. The der- You lost your fucking engagement to your shithead fiancé. The shithead director of the hospital um, straight up told you you'll never go anywhere. Oh, and publicly embarrassed and, you, like, at a party. And publicly embarrassed you at a fucking party. And then he fucking dies. And you get appointed chief of surgery Mm -hmm. like and and i just love this where he starts laughing he slumps against the wall and starts crying and he says life is unbelievable unbelievable. and i you know and that is you know because like that's the thing like we see ten men is like oh he's subdued oh he's kind of bland this not bland anymore no 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 nope that's a the human. Mask is That's a person. Is, yeah, he's, that's he's crying. Third, yeah. third dimension. Third dimension, mm-hmm. right there. You know, that's that is something. Like, those. Th- this sequence of panels is something that can only occur if if the character has interiority and that interiority is allowed to 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 crunch the numbers. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Um, Ava tries to get back with them. And he doesn't, he just looks sad, I think is the thing that's important to take away here. It's, I mean, yeah, it, yeah. like, what a horrible move on her part. Just terrible person no, all the way through. But, like, <laughs> yeah. he just looks so sad again. My sad doctor boy. <laughs> and then he goes back to do surgery. It's a good end to a chapter. Prepare the patient for surgery. And here's the thing. That's the end of a short story right there. That's a, a pulp cereal magazine. You know, this doctor did the wrong, he did the right thing and got punished for it, but then everyone died. He was made chief of surgery and everyone lived happily ever after. And then, time skip. 
Time skip, yeah, and it's also important to note, time skip happens here at the end of the chapter and not at the beginning of the next one. The last page, the last page is the first page of the time skip. Mm -hmm. um, prepare this patient for surgery. It's nine years. We are in 1995, baby. The year of my birth. Um, yeah, uh, and there's also something really, uh, really interesting. So yeah, so in your notes. Tell us about this. I'm excited. Yeah, so it opens on... Uh, it opens on uh, Cologne in 1995, uh, and it's flooded all to fuck. Um, and we're hanging out with Lunga and a couple of other cops, um, uh, you know, just rowing their boats through the super flooded streets of this town. This flood was a real thing um, that, that actually did happen in uh, January of 1995, right? Um, and uh, chapter one of Monster was released in uh, June of, or no, what, what the, oh no, sorry, this, this chapter was released in June of 1995, okay. right? Um, so this so, is like happening as he's writing this chapter, probably. Ex exactly, you know, it's writing as he's thinking about it, and you like, you just know that Urasawa was watching the news, you know, he was like, being like, oh, what's going on in Germany, and he saw on the TV footage of this flood, and he was like, I've just gotta, I've just gotta use that. Like, I've just gotta grab that shit, you know, because it's such a cool setting. You know, it must have felt very serendipitous to him. Um, uh, and it also, it does make for a really, really cool, uh, and I, I might go so far as to say, like, iconic opening to, opening to a chapter, because it's just so unique. Like, I've never seen it here, I've never, I've never seen it uh, anywhere else. You know, um, it's so... And it has that aspect of, of realism, because it's a real thing that happened at the real time I mean, and in the real place. It's great. You know, the cops walking on these scaffolds that have been kind of constructed in the flooded streets, the corpses being carried out all on them. It's just, it's very, it's very heightened. It's a little scary. It's disorienting. Yes. It's, it's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. And then we hang out. We hang out. Oh, another fun thing. When, um... When Lungay's doing his little his little typing thing, mm -hmm. we actually get sound effects taka, 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 as taka, if taka. he's yeah. typing on a real computer. Oh no, I do like that. I like. I think that's good. Um, do you think he's saying "taka taka taka" or is he is he? I think it's just like internal. I think we're kind of like in his head. He hears okay. it. Yeah. Um, I'm pretty sure the anime doesn't have actual typing sounds, which is for the best. Yeah, it um, would be corny. <laughs> hey, here's a quick yeah. question. For onomatopoeia in manga, do you... Yeah. One of my pet peeves, this is a thing that kept me... Well, it's so... When I was reading the Akira manga, it really frustrated me, was there was a glossary at the back that would tell me what all the, all the onomatopoeia meant. And I was just like, why wouldn't you just translate this for me? Because now I have to flip back and forth to see what these sounds are. Like, I sure. like the way they look. No, I love yeah. the look of the Japanese characters, right? But just, like, I get frustrated <laughs> not knowing that I'm missing Exactly yeah. what it fucking means. Uh -huh. I, you know, I mean, there's nothing really to be done about it. Yeah. Because if you were to, like, translate it, like, redraw it, it's just not going to feel right. You're right. Yeah. You know, um, there was a... Unwinnable um, situation. It's an unwinnable situation. It's really untranslatable. Uh, but there is one manga called um, uh, Kurosagi Corpse Delivery Service, okay. um, which is localized unbelievably well. The translation is gorgeous and funny and amazing. Uh, and in the back of the book, it has the most detailed sound effect glossary uh, and also Japanese like cultural reference glossary. Oh, that's good. Um, yeah. 
It's really, that's really good. Yeah, I'm looking at the the traits for this. This looks cool. I'm going to have to check this out. It's awesome. It's really great. I, I love it a lot. Um, but Japanese onomatopoeia, um, I'm sure that many of the people listening already know, but they're interesting because these motherfuckers have an onomatopoeia for every goddamn thing. Yep. Um, they have one for, they have one for opening your mouth, for speaking, for chewing, for biting, like all of these, like every separate thing, every separate concept or sound, like they'll have onomatopoeias for shit that don't even make noise, you know? Um, like they have onomatopoeias for sneaking. For the camera zooming in. Yeah, exactly, for the, for the camera zooming in. Like, um, and actually there's a really interesting... Just a, a quick side note. So in, in JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, you know, the, the famous shot of Dio kissing Arana, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. where he kisses her. Mm-hmm. Uh, one thing that is like almost impossible for us to like comprehend uh, reading that is that the onomatopoeia, there's a giant onomatopoeia behind it. And it's one that Araki made up um, to <laughs> look and feel super wrong. It's it's a zugyun. Um, and actually in the, in the anime, they put like, they made this like, like cool, like electric guitar, like, uh-huh, uh-huh. um, to kind of communicate that. But that's just, you know, like, uh, uh, manga does a lot of work with onomatopoeia that, uh, we as Westerners who aren't fucking fluent in Japanese, just, uh, just can't access, just can't access. All of my life is me not being able to play the the Japanese Mother 1 and 2 Game Boy Advance cards that I bought when I was, in, <laughs> when I was a freshman in high school. That's just the rest of my uh, life is, is that. <laughs> yeah. Um, anyway. Um, uh, so let's see. Okay, yeah, and then we six. spend... Yeah. Chapter 6, we spend most of this chapter uh, seeing Tenma have a good time. Uh, we get a shot of Becker going, oh, for crying out loud. If I was If I were in your shoes, I'd have five mistresses by now. Just what, Which a, what a terrible dude that we love, who's also a bad doctor, I, is the other thing. It's just like, there's no like, reason to like this guy, but... He's uh, just like a general shithead, but, but you'll love him. You'll love Becker. You gotta love him. Uh, yeah. Uh, so this is kind of when the... this The bulk of your summary, I think, was here, right? There's Adolf Junkers. He's, uh, you know, he's, a, he's a, a criminal who's brought in. Tenma operates on him. Uh, the police mm-hmm. want to question him in connection to these murders that are happening. Uh, shows yeah, back it's up. very strongly implied. So strongly implied. Lunga all but says, "I'm gutting for you." Yeah, no, he. You know, you know, he's doing the. He's doing the. You know, it's the. It'd be a shame if anything happened to those legs. You know, but, <laughs> yeah. that, but yeah, that's not what totally. cops do. I can't remember. You know, I, oh, I honestly, know. almost a almost a Columbo, mm-hmm. almost a Columbo mm-hmm. act mm-hmm. in this chapter. You know, at this rate, you'll be director in no time, don't you think? You know, and even then, like later, I had I can't believe I didn't make this connection. But you know, Ten was like, "What are you getting at, Inspector?" And he's like, "Oh, nothing. It's just the nature of my yeah, job to constantly think about You're these right. things." Right. That's, a yeah, that's a Columbo. And also, for those of you who don't know, Columbo, uh, uh, Japan loves Columbo. Who doesn't love Japan, Columbo? To be honest, no, I know, Japan loves I know. Columbo. Japan, Japan loves Columbo enough to have made a Japanese version of Columbo. With the Japanese um, guy? With the Japanese guy. Oh. Uh, or, or like, it's a separate, it's a separate like cop show and the guy like dresses and acts like Columbo. Oh, it's like... Hang on, I gotta see it. They, no, I know, it's crazy. Um, oh! <laughs> <laughs> Oh, it's so good. 
Yeah, no, it's really good. So Japan, Japan loves Japan loves Columbus. Yeah, and I know that because um, uh, what is it is a great detective Conan where there's uh, I I feel like there's a young Columbo that shows up in that too oh, that I see I going around I on Twitter all the time. It. Here he is. Here he is, my boy. Let me see this guy. I want to see this guy. Oh yes, yes, yes! I have seen this guy. Yeah. I love the guy. Anyway, so Lunge does a Columbo yeah. on Tenma. Um. Uh, oh, we've got a real good shot of Junkers that closes this one where he just says the monster is coming. Um, and he yeah. just looks so scared. His, his, I mean, skull-like face, you know. It's, uh... Totally. And Ten was just Totally, the, the cheekbones. The monster? <laughs> the monster? <laughs> the, the, the monster? The <laughs> monster. Um... Yeah... Yeah, oh, uh, and I was also saying uh, in the pacing notes, uh, this chapter really feels like an early peek into Naoki's uh, suspense and investigation uh, flavor. Okay. Um, You know, like, there's different, like, uh, Urasawa has different uh, flavors, and I'm, of course, uh, you may know, uh, shamelessly stealing this concept from uh, Action Button and Sam Rogers, um... Uh, but uh, there's a few different flavors for Urasawa stuff, and uh, this is definitely the suspense and investigation flavor, where you spend a chapter really, like, asking questions, trying to uncover stuff, and spending, really spending your time immersed in the intrigue, as opposed to necessarily moving stuff forward very quickly. Um, uh, and I just think that's a, an interesting thing to keep track of, is like, what what what's Urasawa? What's his plan? What what is he doing in this chapter? Um, and I also we were talking a bit earlier about how Urasawa is a little of a kind with with Stephen King, and yes. um, or at least he likes Stephen King. And I think one thing they have in common is they don't outline. Um, Urasawa doesn't outline his chapters. He just knows what he wants to happen and then he just goes and that feels kind of evident i think in these in these last two especially because they feel like i mean yes. flipping through it i was yes. kind of like i was trying to find where the break is it feels like it's one longer chapter instead of two i mean because there's not a whole lot that happens i mean this is the revelation right like you know yunkers is he him and ten have a heart to heart they talk about stuff he tells this this nice story about you know uh he wanted this cuckoo clock and that's what led him into this life of crime Tenma's gonna go and do mm, the good, yeah. the good thing, and get him this cuckoo clock, and then things. Which you come to think of it, is that um, would we say that's a Kingian move? I think so. Um, the kind of story like yeah. that, a little bit, yeah. Um, where we've got characters kind of monologuing about you know their rough childhood or things like that, and then the, the the King move here is the way this chapter would end if Stephen King wrote it would be, um, and as Doctor Tenma left to you know buy a, a, a cuckoo clock for Yunkers. <laughs> He never knew that this was the last time that he'd see him alive. <laughs> yeah, 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 yes, totally. That's, that's the king move totally. right there. So it's, yeah, there's there's some there's some lines that we can draw right there. Um, it's that kind of, yeah, I'm telling a ghost story around the campfire type thing a little bit. Um, Absolutely. Absolutely. So. Um, yeah, we learn, you know, we learn Adolf... You know, he just wanted the clock. Just wanted the And then Alf is like, the monster, the monster killed my friends, your your murder buddies. Uh, and I really love, uh, this is also a really good, there's another example of, of a really good um, Urasawa hide stuff behind pages, um, where 
Junker is, is trying to find a police officer to uh, confess to his crimes. Oh, and, yeah. And he's like, officer, officer. And, and the bottom left panel is this really good lit from below classic horror um, uh, frame. face of, yeah. of shock and horror. And then you're like, oh, fuck, what's on the next page? And you turn it. And it's just a little panel of, of a present, of, of the present that, that Tenma bought for him. And that, you know, again, Urasawa just absolutely fucking knows. Like, not only does he know how to set up expectations and deliver he on them, he knows pages. when to... Exactly. He knows when to set up expectations and and then not... Yeah, and then deliver something mm-hmm. else. You know, it's really... it's It's, again, the word is deft. It's so deft. Uh, and then, and then of course it's, uh, he starts, he starts running, he starts running, he does a little bit of running, it's a little bit action-y, it's maybe some of the, it's, it's one of the more action-y sequences in this, in this part of the, of the manga. Um, and then we are treated. We're treated to the most terrifying parking garage you've ever seen in your life. Yeah. <laughs> is it a parking, I guess it's, I think oh, it's a parking is, garage. Yeah, this is a parking garage. No one's there for some sites. reason. They're, they're, it's a parking yeah. garage that's under construction. Well, it's the middle. It's middle of the night. Um, yeah, uh, and then we have then we have uh, the monster, the monster, monster. Johan, um, in in silhouette. There, you saved my life nine years ago, um, and now we're on to chapter chapter eight, eight execution night. Yeah. Now, do you um, want to talk about the spread as I look at it? I do. I do want to. I do want to talk about the spread, uh, and then we'll we'll uh, we'll kind of speed to, to the here. end and go through um, our segments. Yeah, I mean, there's not a whole there's not a whole awful lot to talk about in chapter eight. No, honestly, it's just kind, uh, of, kind of already we've already said the the stuff that matters. Um, so uh, the so like chapter or pages two and three of chapter eight are a really really wonderful spread. Um, and it's very simple. It's just this construction site. You know, it's just this, this parking garage. And um, the light is coming in from the left. Johan is silhouetted in it. Um, then you've got Adolf kneeling in the light, you know, looking, looking up at Johan. And then over in shadow, uh, but, but lit from the front by the light uh, over to the right, uh, we have we have Tenma, and so it's this it's this really great, really 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 great use of space and lighting. Um, and what I you know one of the reasons I want to draw attention to this is that in both Eastern and Western comics tradition, spreads are traditionally used um, to capture big to capture big things, um, flashy things or stuff that you really want to be like, look at this. Isn't this, isn't this awesome? Or isn't this, this, or isn't this that? Um, and this is an extremely still page. There's no motion in it whatsoever, but it is such a powerful, such a, a powerfully evocative um, and symbolic image, uh, and I think it's a it's it's really startlingly good. Yeah, I'm sorry, I've just been flipping through. I think these pages are all so good. Yeah, it's it's I don't know. Yeah, I I know your notes on this after the spread are that you know maybe maybe you know 
we're filling it out a little bit. We're padding, you know, we're repeating what's going on. We're making it extremely clear. But I think every single frame here is just there's yeah, this the space I think is is the word that comes to mind for me is it is giving the appropriate amount of space for how serious what we've got going on here is. It's it's good. I'm I, I like it. This whole this whole sequence, I am I'm a fan of. the The one thing that I was going to bring up in this section is, I mean, there's kind of a it's a dialogue that's a little bit tiring of Junkers just kind of making it extremely clear what's going on. You know, this dude killed my friend. Yeah. He's a monster. He doesn't want you to see him. You know, Johan and and Tenma have kind of a conversation about you know why are you doing this. You know, you set my life on a different track. This, that, the other, and we. Uh, this is where it sets up. You know, okay, what's the thing we know about Tenma? His whole thing is, you know, he he is trying to refute the idea that some lives are worth more than others, right? That's his, like, driving yeah. thing from these first eight chapters. And the Junkers uses a phrase, he says, lives mean nothing to him um, in reference to the monster. So it's just very mm-hmm. clearly putting these two kind of viewpoints, these these worldviews at, at, odd, at odds with each other. Um, and I think this works for me in the same way that I thought some of the political stuff a little bit earlier was clunky for me at just laying it right out for you, for me like this, this, this works. I'm, you know, this, this yeah. I would say is a king move, right? Is the black versus the white, right? You know, you know, totally. we've got a very clear good guy versus bad guy. Yeah. Um, I, and I would say that's something that, um, Urasawa was also interested in. Think about this. This this kind of thing comes up uh, both in... Uh, I think it comes up in, in pretty much all of his other works that I've read, too. It takes different forms and the conversation is different, but uh, black and white... I mean, black versus white is really... Um, that's a major thing in Billy Bat, okay. actually. Uh, I think I think in Billy Bat, black is good and, and white is bad. Um, well, and that makes sense if that's a book about, you know, artists and animation and stuff. You know, you've got... Ah, gosh, is it about that, man? It's Billy... We'll see. Dude, I don't think anyone could actually guess what Billy Bat is about if they hadn't read it. It's fucking insane. Um, Yeah, there's... But, no, you're you're totally right. Uh, And I think these characters as, as being... As being reflections, you know, or, or as being set up as diametrically... Opposed, and that's what that spread you know. wants us to see, right? It's a... It's a exactly. Yeah. yeah, you know, Tenma's, Tenma's core belief is that everyone's uh, everyone's life is is equal and valuable. Mm-hmm. Johan's equal, core belief... I think, belief, is the big thing. Is, yeah. Because it's, it's, a, it's, a, well, it's an equity yeah. thing, right, for him, where it's just like, what is fair? Yeah. You know, everyone deserves... Mm-hmm, yeah. Yeah. And and Johan's deal, uh, so we are told right now, is no one's life is worth anything. And that life is is has has no inherent value. Um and this sets up the conversation. Right? The manga is a lot of the heart of the manga is the conversation between these two points. Why would a life be worth more or less or equal? Why would a life matter at all? Um, that's like this is this is kind of the opening salvo of, or if not the opening salvo, because that was chapter one. This is this is like uh, the first major skirmish. I love. I mean, I don't want to say I love it, but um, Junker's uh, Junker's death is horrific. It's pretty good. Yeah, he. Uh, I do think it's interesting that he dies facing him. 
I don't know if that means anything, but that, you know, because he, he scrambles around mm. to try to tell the doctors to, to tell Tama to save him and then turns around and, and faces the monster as he, as he kills him. Oh, and is in like true. a kneeling before him kind of. Okay, so maybe oh, here that's we're really in the revelation. This is maybe we are back in Revelation now. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Fuck, I hadn't even noticed that. Yeah. yeah, it's almost like as he takes that second fucking shot in the head, yeah. it, it looks It's prostrating. It himself. looks very much like yeah, yeah he is. It's, oh it's man. Good, I think. Oh dear. Oh dear. And then for some and then for some reason, um we spend a little bit of time with Lungay. It really, um, the pacing in, in chapter eight is, uh, by far the weakest. It's weird, but it does feel like a, it feels like it's what you want, right? It's like, he's just going and being like, Hey, I want to diffuse this tension between us. I am coming clean with you about what's going on here. Like it's, we're trying to yeah. make it so that we don't have that as a source of tension. I don't really know if it works, but it's, <laughs> it feels like something that would be better fit at the beginning of the next chapter rather than, cause like the, the end yeah. of feels like, you know, it's the page with, uh, I do like that we sit with Tenma for a second as, uh, the monster goes down the stairs. Um, definitely. Well, it's like, it's like, you know, um, in, in theater studies, you know, yes, what I, good. one thing that, what I, yes, here, here we go. I can pull in my, my meager education. Um, Basically, the climax of a scene, or a play, or a work, whatever, the climax occurs at the precise moment when the question of the scene, work, whatever, is answered. And I'm pretty sure the climax of the scene is answered when Johann shoots Junkers. And so to then have, like, another minor scene after that, uh, is is formally, I would say, a mystic. Yeah, it's weird. Um, I'm 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 with you. So yeah. Again, this but is yeah, productionist because of the manga that yeah. I know. But that's uh, that that the mm-hmm. monster's face. That's that to me. That's a griffin. That's a Sephiroth. That's a. <laughs> it's it's the it's the evil pretty boy. Yeah, yeah. He is the evil. He is the evil pretty boy. Um, that's uh. Definitely, definitely falling into falling into that for sure. So, um, but yeah, that's a, that's chapter that's one through monster. eight. That's, that's volume. The first talk about. That's volume one of Monster, uh, and I, I think it's the least interesting one. Wow. Um, I, here's the thing: I can, folks listening at home, I can finally read the, the rest of the second half of this one. I've been waiting. For I've a while. really, I'm I've excited. been excited. Yeah, we've been waiting for this for a minute. So. Um, Man, what a good yeah. discussion. That was a lot of fun. Um, hey, I know you had said, uh, you know, we'll probably come up with some more segments as we go, but I think um, yeah. the initial ones that we had were kind of, we wanted to talk about our favorite Tenma moments, um, our favorite yep. named character moments, and our favorite kind of minor mm-hmm. or unnamed character moments. Yeah. Yep. Uh, do you want to go first? Yeah, I can go first. Uh, we'll, we'll start with the Tenma ones. Um, I'll do mine and then you can do yours. My favorite Tenma moment is in uh, chapters six and seven. Uh, after the time skip it's uh it's stuff we've talked about you know tenma being a good doctor having good bedside manner it's all of the shots of him sitting in the grass next to his patients while they're outside i think those are that's my favorite tenma moments here because you think about like okay yeah. doctors wear white coats you're gonna get grass stains but like you know he doesn't care i i think it's good yeah no that's uh that is really that is a really sweet one uh, i think mine is one that i've already mentioned uh it's when he 
when he goes when he's crying and he says life is really unbelievable yeah, that's a good um, one because that you know that's just that's just the moment when he really cracks open as a character and um and uh, it's such a genuine it's such a genuine moment of emotion um definitely a, a high point perfect uh, the the high point of tenma for for, for this, this reading, chunk yeah for yeah yeah no i yeah. i'm i'm with you there so uh, next, the the name character for me this 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 time it goes to Doctor Becker. Um, it's in the second or third chapter. It's when it's the moment when Tenma kind of makes the decision that you know he's not going to let Becker do this surgery. He's going to be the one who who does the surgery on the boy. Um, and the other doctors are kind of talking about what a joke Doctor Becker is, right? And like to this point, we've seen him as hey, you know, he's a good dude. He doesn't care about the politics. But here's when they kind of say like, yeah, he's not capable of doing this and. <laughs> yeah we kind of all make jokes about him just sleeping with nurses is, is his deal. Um, yeah. And it's just kind of like, ah, what are you going to do? You know? <laughs> That's such a, that, 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 I mean, that really is Becker's vibe. Yeah. Um, for sure. So that was, that was uh, it for me. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I love Becker. Um, my favorite named character moment. I mean, I know I'm going for the big hits here, yeah. but some lives are worth more than others. Yeah, I, you can't beat that one. That one's fairly good. It's it's really it's a gut punch. I mean, I think the first time I read it, I wasn't sure what the read on Ava was until she says that, and it's like, oh, I know your whole deal right now. It's yeah, yeah. It it tells you, it tells you so much, and it's such. I don't know. I mean, it's the the thing. Uh, how, how do I put it? How do I put it? It's such it's such a um, a horrific thing to say, and yet something that. She just says it so it's casually. It's so believable. Uh-huh. She says it so casually, and it's so believable that someone in her position would would say that. It's not an it's not a cartoonishly evil position. How's she to gonna take. feel any differently with that dude as no. her dad? I mean, you know. Yeah, yeah, but it's a you know, and and that really like that that panel you could say is is. I think it's the core of, it, sort at least of the first four yeah, or five issues. Yeah, you know, like it's it's not exactly the inciting incident, but it kind of it is. May as well it's be. when yeah. yeah, it's when it's when Tenma really begins to ask himself the question. Mm-hmm. Um so it's really important and I think it's really fun. Uh and you have a side character? Yeah, for so for my side character, it's it's in that same section that my favorite Tenma moment came from. It's in the beginning of mm. uh chapter six. There's a he, Tenma comes back to the hospital and there's a, a nurse trying to help a, a young boy uh, in a wheelchair fly a kite. And she's like, "I'm sorry, I've never flown a kite before." I and, and I think that's that's mm. that's my favorite minor character moment here. Yeah, I like how like uh, your moments, like like two out of your three moments are these moments of of tenderness. It's the nice ones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's the nice ones, but then, but like my moments are all like the moments that let me see the most of a character. Yes. Um, because my third moment is, um, I'm not sure if he's named or not. He might be, he might be Investigator Heisbach. I think he is, but I, he's still a side enough character. Um, but the when the the scene at the beginning of chapter four, Anna's in the wheelchair and he's just like kind of talking through the case a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really like uh, this little bit where he's like. Um, we're not likely, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just going to read this yeah, like yeah. little sequence of things. Yeah. We're not likely to get anywhere with this case until that bothersome Berlin wall comes down. 
In any case, since the victim was a high-ranking East German official, we have to wrap this up quickly or the BKA, the Federal Police, will come nosing around. They always come in, they always come waltzing in and make off with our cases. That's why I can't afford to waste time. You know, and I just think, like, good. this, like, that is all you need to understand this guy is right, is right there. Three panels, mm -hmm. three panels, five text boxes, and you're like, oh, I, I get this dude's priorities. You know, I understand what he understands about the world uh, and, and what he values. Um and I just think that's a really cool, that's a really cool move. Yeah, it's 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 very quickly going from stock characters to something that's a little bit more fleshed out. Uh, exactly. And that's like, and that is uh, Urasawa, like, like all, like all over. It's, I mean, we only picked a couple, but it's, it's riddled throughout. Yeah. Uh, throughout this, this reading and the manga as a whole and all of his work. Yeah. Well, I'm excited to keep going with Monster. I'm, I'm really excited to keep going into, uh, you know, the, the rest of Urasawa's work, but this feels like a, a really good place to start and to, um, I'm, I'm excited to keep talking about this with you. Um, and, uh, I'm, I'm excited about the conversation we've had today. So we'll, uh, we'll, we'll see where it goes from here. Do you, do you have any ideas for, for sign offs? Do we, or is there anything, do we want to plug at the end, just kind of real oh. quick, our, ourselves again? Yeah, well, we should plug the, we should plug the Patreon. Oh, yeah, that's right, that's so right. So far as it exists. Mm -hmm. It's there. Um, I would like, I would like a cute sign off. We'll come up with I, one. I can't, we'll, we'll, we'll come up with one. Um, uh, but yeah, uh, Matt, uh, who are you, and where can people find yeah, you on the internet? I'm Matt Fennell, you can find me at Master895 on Twitter. Um, that's, that's the main space that I exist. Um, uh, yeah. Um, I am, uh, Samuel Quinn Morris. You can find me at 200 Proof Games, uh, 200 Proof Games, uh, at Twitter. Um, and hey, if and you, you can go find the Twitter for the yep. show at Urasawa Boys. Oh, right. We were able to get <laughs> the ad. Right. Yeah, I uh, so we did some division of yeah. labor last night. I run the Twitter. Um, I and I I'm I I was thinking about uh, signing all of our tweets with signatures so you could see who they're coming from. But I'm gonna decide if that's a bit I want to stick with or not. We'll see. But um, yeah. yeah, at Urasawa Boys, there's a link to the Patreon there, uh, which, which I think is Patreon.com/slash Urasawa Boys. Uh, yeah and um you know like if you if you were to support us we have a we have a few tiers right now and obviously like look we both work full-time jobs we don't have jobs that really like give us a lot a huge amount of free time to to do this so if you if you like what we do if you want us to have more time to dedicate to it to make cool bonus content to to watch the anime and make content about that yeah. to you know uh then then support us on Patreon and help us break from the tyranny of the day job so that uh, we can do we can do more cool stuff for you. Uh, because, you know, like like any vaguely creative folk, there's all kinds of cool stuff that we love to do. We have lots of ideas for things that we want to do, and, and this is just yeah. one of them. So, yeah, if, if you uh, – I'll just put this out now. Um, whoever subscribes to the Patreon first, I'll send you, I'll send you a little postcard with a little drawing on it. Oh. Just, oh, just, just one cute. of you. Just one of you. Cute. So, uh, all right. All right. Uh, thanks for listening. Have a, have a good one, everyone. And, uh, I, Quinn, you got to sign off. Uh, um, um, okay. Here's the question. So the, should the sign off be like monster or should it just be like general? Oh, we're going to do a general Urasawa one for a, a general, yeah, yeah, a general, general Urasawa. Okay. Then, then I've got it. Then I've got okay, it. Go, go, go. Um, 
Uh, everybody, thanks for listening, and thanks for being a friend. Oh, that's good. <laughs>